Nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring today. Robert Half is here to help. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Biotech companies have been some of the hottest IPOs in recent years. For the average investor, though, it's nearly impossible to understand what these companies actually do. Many of the Wall Street analysts covering these companies have PhDs and MDs, and their reports are not exactly easy reading. But that doesn't mean there aren't big opportunities, certainly for humanity and sometimes for investors. I'm Alex Ewell. This week on The Readback, we're joined by Barron's healthcare reporter, Josh Nathan Kazis, who just finished a cover story on one promising biotech treatment. Hey, Josh. Hey. Where does this whole story start? So last December, this company called Moderna went public, and it was the biggest biotech IPO in history. So Moderna specializes in something called mRNA therapy. At biotech startup Moderna, they believe the key to treating rare diseases is to trigger the body to heal itself, to make its own medicine. And what they're offering really, I mean, the reason people got so excited was that it's not a new drug or a new couple of drugs. I mean, it's really a whole new way of thinking about treating disease. The mind-blowing things about Moderna is that your body is going to be the factory for your medicine. And they are basically proposing to use your body to create proteins that your body couldn't otherwise create and therefore, you know, actually cure the underlying cause of, of a particular disease. That does sound like a pretty big opportunity. It reminds me a little bit of, of gene therapy. Yeah, I mean, without getting down into the scientific details here, on the most basic level, gene therapy is basically an injection that changes the way your body works forever. And that's something that the FDA is actively approving right now, right? Yeah, there's, what, like two of them on the market in the U.S. There's another one in Europe. And right now they cure very rare, very serious diseases. So the interesting thing, the exciting thing about mRNA therapy is that it, in certain ways it behaves like gene therapy. It goes into your body and it tells your body to create proteins it couldn't otherwise create. But because of the, the way it operates, what it ends up doing is behaving more like a normal drug, like a drug that we're comfortable with, the small molecule drug where you're taking a dose regularly, you know, every, you know, X number of months or weeks or whatever over your whole lifetime. So in that sense, it's sort of more like what we're comfortable with, more like what the system is used to, mm -hmm. easier to test, and you can stop giving it. <laughs> you know, if you take the first gene therapy for X disease that's ever on the market, and then four years later, a better gene therapy comes out, you're stuck with the one you took four years before. With mRNA drugs, you know, you take one, and then if there's another option, another treatment modality, something else you want to try, there's no reason why you, theoretically, why you couldn't stop taking the mRNA drug and, and switch. So in that way, it's just it's just more like what, what the medical system and patients and doctors are used to than, you know, these, these gene therapies that really, if they work, you know, change you forever. This is almost a gene therapy light in a way. I guess you could think about it like that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And there are lots of applications for this, which you talk about in your story. There's a whole range of applications for how to use mRNA as a drug. You could use it to make prophylactic vaccines, like a flu vaccine. There's a number of different ways to use it to work on cancer. And then there are these sort of rare disease approaches where you would, you know, pick a disease that is essentially caused by your body's inability to make a single protein and turn around and actually use mRNA to help your body make that protein. Wow. 
All right. So let's just sum it up. I mean, what about Moderna is so special that investors think it's worth almost $5 billion? Look, I think that they've told a really compelling story about how what they're working on is not just like a drug, but like a new approach to curing disease. So sometimes when you're sick, what you're just missing is one protein. That if we could just give you that protein back, then you'd be healthy again. And, you know, if this stuff works, you can apply it to a whole range of diseases. It becomes a platform that you can then, like, just kind of plug in. And obviously that's oversimplifying it, but I think that's, that's why it's so compelling that it could be the beginning of a wave of new treatments. And if they are the ones that figure it out, they're the ones to crack it, they're, you know, in control of something very powerful and very valuable. And I know from writing a lot about technology stocks, investors love anything that you can call a platform. They love it. And it's all over biotech. Every biotech company says it has a platform. But I think it makes sense here. <laughs> Your story suggests that we're really at a pivotal moment for mRNA and for this kind of drug. Why is that? Right now, one of these companies, Translate Bio, is actually for the first time giving repeat doses of a drug meant to be given over the long term that's you know, mRNA-based. And that's really hard. That's kind of the most challenging part of this. You're basically dealing with the, the body's immune system, getting it past the immune system. It's, it's exceptionally complicated. Moderna is also recruiting for a similar study. So to me, like, this is the point where we find out how close we are to really cracking the kind of hardest, most difficult, most exciting implication of this modality. So it's very possible that what trips up these drugs is less the science behind it and more the way human bodies actually react to them over a long period of time. That is the science, right? I mean, the scientific problem here is getting the body to accept these and use these and, and make sure it has the effect that's intended. Interesting. Theoretically, on paper, all this stuff should work the minute you put it into a body, got right? Got it, got it. Like, it's very easy, I think, for a scientist to say, I have this theory about how this thing works, and this is why it should work beautifully. Like, the problem is that human bodies are, like, immensely complicated, more complicated than, you know, the mouse models they work with or, right. you know, wh whatever other models they're working with. And when you really get the test, when you really know if it's if it's having an impact is, is when you start putting it to people. And probably many of our listeners are hearing about this for the first time, but mRNA is no stranger to a lot of investors now. As you mentioned, uh, it drove the largest biotech IPO of all time in Moderna last year. So far, though, as a public company, these things have seen a mixed reception, right? So th there's two public companies that are that we focus on in the story that are kind of the, the, the biggest public companies. One's called Translate Bio. One's called, one's called Moderna. Both went public last year. I believe they're both down around 30-something percent from their initial offering price. So, uh, yeah, the, the reception has been certainly mixed. I mean, if you look at Moderna, they still have an enormous market capitalization for a company that has no drug and won't have any drug in the immediate future. And no real revenue. And no revenue, yeah. I mean, there, there's a little bit of revenue from partnerships and, and that sort of thing, but there's basically no revenue. And Moderna is still worth, what, $4.5 billion about? Something like that, yeah. So, you know, to, to say that, like, investors have turned up their noses on the, at this companies would, I think, not be correct. I mean, they're, they're very highly valued for companies that don't have anything on the market. But, but, you know, it's worth saying, I mean, there's, as with all biotech, there's a tremendous amount of risk here. There's risk from all directions. There's risk in terms of competition when these things actually get drugs to market. There's risk in terms of, you know, the kind of things that you think about with any drug or, or what's reimbursement can be like, et cetera. And then there's this massive risk of like, is this stuff going to work? And I think we don't, we don't, fully know the answer to that. Obviously, the people who work at these companies are very confident 
There's been a lot of research on this. There's been a lot of, you know, preclinical stuff. Now they're doing clinical trials. But uh, the science, I think, can't be emphasized enough, like how hard the science is. These companies don't even sell their drugs yet, and they're likely many years out. Why are they even public in the first place? Yeah, I mean, I I think there's been a trend in biotech of companies going public earlier and earlier in their phase of development. It's not just the mRNA companies. Gene therapy companies have done this too. So, you know, I think that's a broader conversation. I'm not sure it's, like, specific to these particular companies. I mean, clearly there are public investors out there who are willing to take these risks on these early-stage companies. And, and And I think that, you know, whether that's wise or not is, like, up to the individual and how comfortable you feel. Yeah, I mean, it seems to me, like, for investors, these things are essentially a lottery ticket, right? I mean, the upside's huge. The risk is probably even bigger than that. So, so I think investors in biotech have gotten very sophisticated and, and are able to, like, get more from the data that these companies are releasing than, than, you know, normal people on the street. But yes, I mean, these investors need to understand that these are preclinical companies, and there's plenty of examples of preclinical companies that look very promising, whose data started to look bad, and the stock totally tanked. I mean, that's, that's what happens. And so let's talk about the little investor for a second. Is this something that retail investors should be thinking about? I mean, I think all the caveats that come with investing in biotech apply doubly here and that this is really early stage. There's obviously a lot of risk and that people should be very careful proceeding. That said, one indication here that this stuff is for real is that there are partnerships up and down the line, especially at Moderna, with some of the biggest names in in pharma. Some of these big companies like Merck have come back again and again. And I, I think that for lay investors who aren't, you know, mega PhDs, looking at where the business development deals are happening and, and the deals with the big pharma names who really know this stuff is like a good guide. Right. And, and I think it works both for Moderna and Translate. Both of them have cut these deals and I think are an indication that there, there's really something here. Yeah, presumably Merck isn't interested in just throwing good money at bad. I mean, these, these companies spend a lot of money on, <laughs> on business development and R&D and everybody makes mistakes. But yeah, I think it's as good an indication of it as any that there is something worth looking at here. Thanks, Josh. To read Josh's cover story on the future of biotech and mRNA, check out the latest edition of Barron's and, of course, Barron's.com. I'm Alex Ewell. The Readback is produced by Meta Lutzhoff. The show will return next week. This episode is brought to you by Vanta. Vanta's trust management platform helps you quickly assess risk, streamline security reviews, and automate compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, and more. Learn how by watching Vanta's on-demand demo at vanta.com slash WSJ.